Welcome back to the Fearless Fostering Podcast. I am your host, Kathleen Burst, LCSW, and I'm so excited to be joined today by Carlina Shotwell. She's a former foster youth with an incredible story, and she is going to share with us today. So thank you so much, Carlina, for being with us. Absolutely. Thank you so much for allowing me this platform to tell my story. Well, I'm so thankful that you're willing to. And with that said, I just want to jump right in and ask mm-hmm. you, kind of, can you tell us a little bit about your your foster care journey, what that was like for you? So I always felt like my foster care journey was unique. Um, and then as I got older, I realized pretty much all of us have similar stories. But ultimately, I am one of five. So my mother has five children. And prior to... Um, prior to being put in foster care, we were actually at our local homeless shelter. So that was home to us for a few years. And it was, you know, it was our dynamic. So ultimately, um, during the summer, when you're in a homeless shelter, you actually get to utilize Boys and Girls Club uh, for free. (laughs) So we really enjoyed being able to do that during the summer. But one summer, (laughs) um, it was on my brother's birthday unfortunately. So on June 29th, never forget it. Um, a social worker came into our local boys and girls club uh, with another young lady. We were familiar with the social worker, but we didn't know she was a social worker. She would come to the um, the shelter a few times and, you know, and see our mom and then see us not realizing that she was actually a social worker. I was nine at the time. So ultimately, um, she came into the Boys and Girls Club and she took us two by two. So two, two, and then one. So she took me and my younger sister and both of us went with her not knowing what was going on. And we were more so concerned because that day was our brother's birthday. It was We was actually going to have the opportunity to go to Chuck E. Cheese um, at the Boys and Girls Club for free. So we were super excited to be able to do that and had been talking about it for weeks. So when they came that day, we were more concerned with, you know, are we coming back? Are we coming back? And, you know, she never gave us a straightforward answer. And ultimately, she just drove us to a stranger's house. <laughs> she popped over the, popped open the trunk and took out a few large black trash bags and me and my younger sister who was four at the time um, we both walked to the front door with her and met a woman and a man that we had never seen before so definitely it was a traumatizing experience more so for my four-year-old sister Um, for me being nine I was already in the mind space of taking care of my siblings simply because our mother was not present a lot. Um, So I've already had that instinct, that motherly instinct. So my job was to just make sure to come in the house, see what's going on, figure out what's going on, as well as make sure the four-year-old was protected. So ultimately, there was no communication at all, at least not with the children. We were just handed off to these two strangers, and then the social worker left. Um, so that, I mean, that can be a traumatizing experience because there's no, nobody's talking to you, letting you know what's going on. So ultimately that's how the journey began. (laughs) Gosh, I cannot fathom like what must've been going through your mind when they're not even answering your questions and they're not telling you, like, to me, that is like the absolute least humane possible way Mm -hmm. to like 
have kids enter foster care and I've heard it so many times Mm -hmm. and I, I, I just, it blows my mind that anyone who has studied social work, which I have a clinical degree in could possibly think that it's okay to do that. But I've heard the story so many times. So what was that first day like for you? That is so, as you said, traumatizing. Right. And I was like you, I had never heard that. And so I got older and started talking to other um, similar uh, former foster youth or current foster youth. And then that's when I realized this is a normal dynamic that honestly needs to change. Mm -hmm. So for me, it was more survival. I've always had a survival mentality, even now to this day, Um, it's followed me. But ultimately, I was just looking like, okay, where's the front door? Where's the back door, right? Um, Just kind of looking, how can I protect myself? Where can I hide? So it was simply just survival for me. But for the four-year-old, she literally sat at that front door for hours crying, just crying. I mean, because I I have two children. I have an 11-year-old and I have an almost three-year-old. So I can only imagine being four and not knowing what is going on. So even to this day, now that we're all adults, she is one of the main ones who is the most traumatized and has the the um, more difficult time forming relationships with people, mm-hmm. you know, sustainable relationships. She has a really hard time trusting people to this day. And she's yeah. 28. Thank you for sharing that. I mean, that's <laughs> very vulnerable, but I feel like as foster parents, it's so important for us to hear those stories like we cannot it's just so it's just way too difficult to put ourselves really in the mindset of Mm -hmm. a child who's been entering care and being with strangers and not being told anything and a four-year-old and a nine-year-old perspective I think Mm -hmm. a lot of people have a miss a miss interpretation or like a misguided vision of what that really might look or feel like so it's really helpful for you to share this with us So what did your foster care journey look like from there? Because you were kind of vigilant and helping your sister, but how long were you there? What were the, what was the foster family like? Mm -hmm. So um, she was actually my first set of foster parents. Um, We actually stayed with her and her husband for about five years. And this is where communication is so important. So being so young, she actually put us back in foster care without a conversation. So we were not aware what we did wrong. Later on, within a year or two, um, her husband ended up passing away. She's still here, but ultimately she had a stroke because they were older. So it was a lot of medical issues going on, but nobody was explaining this to us. It was literally like, hey, we can't take care of you anymore. We're going to see you back. And that's exactly what they did. So after five years, both of us were put back in foster care. They never legally adopted us. So they put us back into foster care and we went to another home where my younger sibling grew a connection with the lady. I did not because by that time I'm already a preteen, right? So that was my journey of realizing for me, I cannot trust anyone. So I built a wall, like an immediate wall. So I actually went to eight different foster homes from the age of nine to 19. And a lot of people ask me, you know, like, what happened? Like, did anything happen? And honestly, I can say to this day as an adult and as a parent, it was me. It was some of the foster parent, obviously, nobody's perfect. But for me, I had developed a wall. So I didn't give them a chance. When some of them probably genuinely had the intentions of loving me and being there for me. But you have to think, after you're moved from place to place, you know, 
what can I do? I, I have to protect myself. And that's mm -hmm. what I did. And that is so like important for us to hear too, because I've talked to foster mamas that I've counseled one-on-one -on -one or in my group coaching program. And they've said, how do I connect with this teen? Like, how do I connect? I want to show them love. And I'm like, you can do every single thing and please keep doing it. But ultimately right. it's their choice, whether they want exactly. to engage in that connection or not. And that's not on you. Your job it's is to mine. show up every day and love, 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 love. And it's their job to receive if, mm -hmm. if that's what they choose, like, you know, but so it's helpful to hear, absolutely hear you say that. As yeah. Well. So I mean, I, I know they tried some yes. of them really, some of them genuinely tried and I was like, no, cut it out. Yes. <laughs> stop. Cut stop. It out. Yeah. Leave, leave me alone. You know, yeah. do, do what you're supposed to do. Feed me, clothe me, shelter right. me. We can have then... a coexistence. We don't need to right. have like a, a, son, a, a daughter relationship here. Mm -hmm. Um, but that's just like, helpful to hear because again, I think some people are like, well, what, what am I doing wrong? What am I doing wrong? I'm like, you're not necessarily doing something wrong, but you do, as you said, have to remember the mindset of someone who has been moved around as a child mm -hmm. with no explanation. No, I mean, we have to, yeah. we have to make space for that really Yeah, for both the child and for ourselves, I think as foster parents. I, I agree. I agree. <laughs> okay. So 19, you yes. bounced around, like, what does life look like at 19 for you? Because that's typically an age around when people are starting to be like, okay, bye foster mm -hmm. care. Like now I'm on my own or what happened for you? So I did, um, fail the third grade. So that's why I graduated high school at 19. Um, but ultimately graduating high school was super important to me. I've always been a, a, a geek, if you will. <laughs> that was, that was honestly my way out. So being in the foster homes, I would always be like in a corner in my room reading. Um, I love going to school, love being in the battle of the books, just, you know, that was my safe, my place to get away. Mm -hmm. So ultimately I've always known college was for me. So after high school, um, I had, a, I have a really close relationship with my social worker, even as this day we're actually friends. And it was funny to me we're only four years apart. She's literally only four years older than me. And I think it's about four, four or five years older than me. And I still call her miss as if she's still my social worker. It's like mentally, I can't, the respect is there and I can't, I can't do without it. But nevertheless, um, when I was 19, well, since I was 15, I had a, had a job. So when I turned 18, I got a car. So I had a job and a car. And I was really independent, like really independent. So she's the one that pushed me at 19 to go ahead on my own. And I was scared. And she was, you know, she honestly just spoke life into me explaining you're already doing it, you know, like you're already an adult, but it didn't feel that way. Right. So ultimately, she's the one that helped push me out into the real world. <laughs> so it's kind of like when I got out into the real world, it really sunk in that um I'm really alone like I am by myself so and I do want to touch on that a little bit because as foster youth and former foster youth we're a lot different than what I call normal people um normal people in my eyes this is my definition right normal people you know if you cannot pay your light bill you probably have someone in your family you can call your aunt, your mom, your grandparent. You know, you have somebody you can call on. If you need gas for your car, you have someone. But when you're in foster care, you have no one, right? 
So you can either take that as a strength and just build from it, knowing that you're going to be pretty much independent your whole life, or it can be a fault and you tend to, you know, look at other resources like drinking and doing bad things like drugs, just to kind of heal from knowing you're alone. Um, when I speak to for um current youth, I tell them it can either be a crutch or it can be a strength. I love the fact that I am independent and I don't need anyone to take care of me. Um, I don't look at normal people as a way of, um, you're so lucky, you're so blessed. No, because that could be a crutch too. Um, so I also want that to be people to be aware of that, that there really is a difference between someone who has nobody compared to someone who's normal, who has the the TV like family. <laughs> yep. Does that make sense? Yeah, 100%. And I think that's something that we forget too. It's like, I've heard like former foster kids, like someone had to teach me to pump gas because I did not know yes. how to pump yes. gas. And I'm like, yes. That, I mean, we have, that's why these conversations are so important because uh-huh. it's just, we need to hear it over and over again. Like, what does it feel like? What does it look like? What tangibly was different about your life as, a, exactly. as you aged out of care, you know? Exactly. Um, And like you mentioned the gas, pumping gas, that is so real. Like something as little as that. Um, And then even, even too, I'm actually realizing now within the past year, so I am a, I am a person that tells you from the from the first interaction when I'm dating, I am not one to clean. I will organize. I will fluff some pillows. <laughs> but am I am I picking up a Windex bottle? Absolutely not. And thankfully, I have been blessed with a partner who's OCD, so it works out. Oh, yes. Um, <laughs> right, right. So I don't have to. Um, prior to that. I definitely had no issue with hiring a cleaning team to come or a cleaning company to come once a week and didn't have a problem with that. Cause I don't want y'all to think my house is nasty. <laughs> but, <laughs> well, mine is. So help me. <laughs> right. Send listen, your OCD listen. partner to my house. <laughs> yeah, he would, he would love it. He would love it. That's amazing. So, so talking with him, you know, he grew up, he's in a family, a tight knit family, you know, almost similar to like the Cosby show or like the Brady Bunch, you know, it's, I love to see it because when I'm around them, I see the love, I see it there and, but it's not normal. And, you know, I tell him that all, I'm like, this is not normal. Like this, people are really out here struggling. Okay. <laughs> but yes. with cleaning, it was like, it was a barrier in his mind. He did not understand why. And honestly, I never thought about it. So then I started thinking, I was like, the foster parents didn't let me clean. And he, he said, oh, you were spoiled. And I said, no, I was a liability. You know, I couldn't just touch the Clorox. <laughs> you know yes. I, mean? I couldn't just touch the Windex. I couldn't touch the washing machine, let alone the stove. Like I was a liability, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So it's like having somebody that I consider normal to understand that there was really, um, what's the word? There was really, uh, not building blocks, but uh, I was naive in a way because the foster parents were not allowed to do certain things with me mm-hmm. simply because if they got in trouble with the government, you know, they could really get into some some tough situations with being um, a foster parent. And I've known foster parents who've gotten into tough situations, even me. I'm sure I put a lot of them into some tough situations. So I didn't, I didn't have to clean. 
And because of that, as an adult, it's not something I think about doing. But thankfully, um, there's cleaning companies. Yep. There's, there's men Praise. out here. Who, there's OCD. So it worked itself out. But it just made me look back at my life and realize, like, I was really sheltered in a way. And, and ultimately, it hurt me to a certain extent as an adult. Because what if I couldn't find a partner that understood okay, she's not going to pick up a Windex bottle. Like, what if I couldn't find a partner that understood it about me and was willing to accept it? I mean, I'll probably be single. <laughs> well, a woman, is, right, a woman that doesn't clean, where, what? But um, we're out here. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but you're right. As far as pumping gas, cleaning, knowing how to pay bills. Oh my gosh, like, you really, you're really pushed out into the world very much naive. And you're either going to, you know, soar, if you will, yeah. or you're going to fall flat on your face. But then it's just remembering that you truly are by yourself. So it's it's a, it's a strength thing. That's for sure. Absolutely. <laughs> and so, okay, but let's talk about the paying bills because now yes. tell me what your job is now, because this is literally like, uh, just like so cool to me. Tell me what is your job now and how did you get into this field? Okay, so I have, prior to becoming my own boss, um, I've had a lot of jobs. So I realized early on, even after getting three degrees in college, I realized I am not anyone's employee. Like, mm -hmm. I am not. I'm not following the rules. I'm going to try to bend them as much as possible. <laughs> Love it. <laughs> and the money, the, the checks never made sense to me. So as far as your time with the amount of money that I would get paid. So I realized this is not for me. So my first hand of entrepreneurship was becoming a realtor. And when I was a realtor, I actually enjoyed it. Um, it was it was exciting to learn something new. You know, my personality allowed me to meet new people. But the, the downside of being a realtor is you really don't have the boundaries between you and a potential client. And at the time, um, I, I got pregnant during COVID with my now almost three-year-old. So I knew I did not want to be traveling up and down the highway, you know, doing open houses, especially during COVID as well as being pregnant. So ultimately I did not renew that license. However, I still wanted to be able to help um, my clients get into homes. So that's when um, I actually ended up meeting who is now my mentor meeting my mentor, a wife and um husband, and they mentored me on the credit aspect. I knew a little bit about credit. I What I knew was when I would apply for things, I got denied. That's what I knew. <laughs> and I didn't <laughs> right. And I didn't understand why, because these are things that's not talked about, not even necessarily in foster care, but just in a lot of people's households. Mm -hmm. So ultimately, they taught me a lot. Um, and then I was able to kind of use my um, credit as like a, a way to figure out how does this actually, how does the system actually work? Mm -hmm. <laughs> so thankfully, I was able to um, get a few things off of my credit and basically just start over with a fresher mindset. And then I was able to help family members and friends. And then ultimately I turned it into a business. So we have been, I have been three years full-time entrepreneur and it has definitely been ups and downs. However, 
I know that is the best decision I could have ever have done simply because my time is way more valuable to me right now in this phase of my life than money. So I have a team now. So ultimately that allows me to have time to do a time to go to lunch with my friends. It just gives me more time and time to be with the children as well, especially now that it's the summertime. Yeah. So finance is important and ultimately it's not going anywhere, right? It's a, it's a field that's going to consistently bring in um, leads or clients. So it's definitely a safe business model. <laughs> yep. um, but I but I do understand sometimes finance can be a little boring. However, I absolutely love it. So, and I think it goes into my survival mindset, right? When you have a survival mindset, you're constantly, what can I do to make money? How can I make sure that I'm sustainable and I can provide a stable environment for my children? So it works out for me. I love talking about it. (laughs) That is so amazing. I mean, just like literally, because if you really, I mean, I'm, my mind is being blown because if you just think about the journey of like someone who's like, I wish I did not have this, like, Mm -hmm. no one told me how to do this. I had to figure Mm -hmm. it out myself. And then all of a sudden, like I figured it out. Not only did I figure it out. I'm making, I'm my own boss now as I have, mm-hmm. now I'm teaching other people how to do it. And mm-hmm. I just think, I mean, that is just amazing. Like that is just like so cool. And I know you said too, um, prior to starting recording, you're like helping former former foster youth and foster current foster youth with the same type of deal, right? I am. So two years ago, um, because I work heavily with our local department of social services with their foster youth, I've actually been volunteering with them over 14 years, but I've been contracting with them for the past two years. So one of the gaps that we ran into with our foster youth leaving foster care, because ultimately they do they do receive, at least in North Carolina, they do receive somewhat of a financial help from the age of 18 to 21, where simply if they go to college, go to some type of trade school or just working, they do receive um, a check about it's about six seven hundred dollars so they do receive a little bit of a cushion right we did not get that (laughs) when i was in foster care wild wild yeah it i was not an advocate for this they they didn't get my yes for this however um and and i'll explain why in a little bit but (laughs) but ultimately um there was still a gap so once again you know we tend not to have anyone right adult figures, if you will. So when the children would um, age out of foster care, you know, of course they're ready. I'm I'm about to be 18 in a week. I'm Mm -hmm. leaving. I don't care. And you don't have nowhere to go as well as if you were to apply for an an apartment, right? A lot of times apartments are now becoming seriously strict with their requirements. And they're requiring a lot of our youth, our young adults to get um, co-signers. Mm-hmm. But if you don't have anyone who is who's, who is going to co-sign for you and social services cannot do that. Right. No matter how bad your social worker loves you, she cannot do that. So what I realized in talking with the social workers, you know, what can we do? I offer credit assistance. Right. Whether it's um, building your credit up, which a lot of times what these youth needed, they needed to build it up mm-hmm. or if they're um, if fix it and build it up. I would run into situations where a biological parent would use their, you know, their child's social security number to maybe get lights turned on. And then it was a collection of their credit report. 
a few different things. It's not too common, but ultimately sometimes that will show up and then they'll see it as an adult, but it's really easy to get off mm -hmm. because I mean, how can you get lights at the age of six? Right? <laughs> Utilities at the age of six. Yeah. Um, but it happens. <laughs> it happens. Right. Oh, but there was a gap. Um, you know, social services has funding to be, at least in North Carolina, they have funding to be able to help the young adults get apartments. So security deposit, first month rent, furniture, mm -hmm. right? But they cannot use this funding if the, if the youth cannot get approved. Right. So that's where I come in as a contractor and they hire my team. And ultimately uh, we do our workshops, whether it's a group of us and I'm helping them, giving them the steps to build their credit up mm -hmm. or we're doing it on an individual basis. And I'm telling them, this is the action plan checking back in. Did you do this? Did you do this? And also helping them understand how to manage their money. Um, because ultimately, I wish I was better at managing my money when I was in my early 20s versus my 30s. But ultimately, you know, I want to go ahead and give them the stepping stone, the secret formula, if you will, mm -hmm. to being a sustainable adult. So I'm glad that they gave me that opportunity. And it's been great. It's been a, it's been a, it's helped my business um, become way more successful early on because of the support I received from our local social services. That's amazing. And just like thinking about how many lives you are changing by using what your own personal experience with your expertise to serve this population, this like historically underserved population to Absolutely. the very least is amazing like just that yeah. they don't have to have the same start in their story as you did and that's just mm -hmm. like you're showing them what's possible you know what I mean like that's incredible I agree the respect oh. is definitely there when Good. I come into a workshop I'm hosting a workshop for the youth a lot of the time the social workers will immediately stop me thank you so much for doing this you know this child doesn't even listen to me and I, and I have to explain to them you know it's not that you're doing anything wrong Ultimately, you know, you are considered a normal person to them. So for them to see someone who's walked in their shoes, yeah. you know, living the dream that they hope to acquire, there's mm -hmm. a respect there. Um, and ultimately, that's kind of where I, you know, I fall into the place of speaking to our social workers and speaking to our foster parents and just helping them realize it's not you, right? Mm -hmm. Even as people, we want we want to talk to people that can relate to us in yeah. general. Um, and sometimes it can become a disconnect if the person is so stuck in their ways and they're like, no, do it like this, right? Yeah. There's multiple ways to get something done. Multiple ways. And I'm a big advocate for that. Oh, <laughs> I love it. Every single thing that you're saying is just such wisdom and so, so good. Um, with that being said, what are, what is like a piece of advice that you would have for someone aging out soon or, mm -hmm. or just, a maybe a foster family who's got a, a teen or, or a young adult that they're like trying to help, but they're like, what, I don't know what they need. So I have two advices, one for the youth and then one for the adult. Perfect. And I'm going to mainly talk about more so North Carolina, only because that's the only, you know, laws and things I know. But I'm sure in other states, there's something similar. So I'm going to start with the adults first. So for me in North Carolina, I received um, three scholarships just from being in foster care, right? So um, NC Reach. ETV, and then Foster to Success, right? And then I received financial aid. Okay. 
So with that, I was able to not get one degree, but get three. So I was in school for six years, right? <laughs> and, and I'm an entrepreneur. But anyway, <laughs> but doing the most, the definition. Doing the most. <laughs> However, it feels good to know that I have these degrees. So mm-hmm. as a backup plan, if you will, and just to be able to get them and not accumulate any debt, right? But one of the stipulations with getting these um, scholarships is that you cannot have been adopted. Right. You had to have been in foster um, foster care, kinship care, you know, something of that norm. Right. Usually when you um, when, you know, you adopt someone, you're taking on that financial responsibility. Mm-hmm. So my advice would be to the adults, unless you are financially secure to um, help the young adult be able to go to school for free. Right. Not accumulate debt, but for free. Um that's great. Adopt them. But if you are not in a financial um, standpoint where you can do that, I personally am not an advocate for adoption or depending on the situation. Yes, you can love them, but you don't have to adopt them to love them simply because there's a lot of opportunities out Mm -hmm. here for them that they can get for free. During COVID in North Carolina, they extended the age to 26. So social workers were out here contacting youth from the age of 18 to 26 and asking them, what do you need? What bills do you need paid? Because they Mm -hmm. have received such a big chunk of money from the state and it needed to be spent. So they extended to age to 26, right? So imagine a young adult who's probably behind on their bills, probably lost their job, right? And they can get that money. But if they were adopted, they they were excluded from that um, stack of money. Does that make sense? Totally. And it's so interesting because, and that it just is still wild to me that state to state in the same country, it could be so different. So I think definitely encourage people to research, look in your own state what yeah. the laws are. Because in Connecticut, where I am, our kiddos that are adopted out of foster care get the same, they get college for free up to a certain amount like of our state university, no matter what. Yeah. So I'm like, thank you, Jesus. You know what I mean? Like, right. they, they, there's no reason why they shouldn't have the same opportunities as any other mm-hmm. child. Right. But I right. love that. And it's in it very state to state. So very important reminder that we should be doing our homework as foster parents and with these youth in our care to make sure mm-hmm. that we're doing the absolute best thing for them, for their future. Absolutely. And honestly, just the foster parents staying connected and building a relationship with the social worker is mm-hmm. super, super important. Um, simply because the social worker knows a lot, right? And but ultimately they're burnt out. They're working all the time. That's real. <laughs> so right. So it's not going to be their natural instinct to reach out to you and say, hey, you know, does your kiddo need this information? It may not be their natural instinct. However, if you build that relationship, it can become that. There is so so much money and opportunities out here for our youth that I did not have. I was very much in jail. <laughs> but I was in foster care. So ultimately they have, they have a lot, they have a lot. And it would be very silly um, of, of us as adults to allow them to miss all of those opportunities that can yeah. advance them a lot further. Totally. Yeah. Exactly. And for my advice for foster youth, for foster youth, I'm going to stand on this. Either you can use your foster care story as a crutch, right? Pity me, or you can use it as a strength. 
and ultimately just move forward knowing um, that you've gotten through something that somebody else could probably never do. Mm-hmm. Right. Imagine just traveling from home to home for so long, meeting new people, being in their space. Right. So that's that's a survival. That's a story within itself. Mm-hmm. So I will always say use it. Do not use it as a crutch because the utility company does not care. <laughs> and that is so real. And also I have little tears in my eyes. I'm like, oh, like just because like, you know, I have adopted two babes out of foster care. And I'm like, Did you? just like, I just hope someday that like, you know, I don't know how they're going to feel about their story. They're still really young, but like, right. however they feel is okay. But I just love the encouragement of like, to anyone, to anyone with, you know, we all have hard stuff, but like, just to, to oh, absolutely. look at your story and be like, is this going to be something that I like, look at and say, pity me? Or is it going to be like, Hey, how does it mm-hmm. strengthen me? How do I, how do I, get how am I resilient because of this you know exactly I love that you imagine how many times I've I've said to people oh yeah I grew up in foster care and the first thing they say is oh I'm sorry sorry for what <laughs> you know, what like, are you no, like what no, are you leaking that's not right <laughs> right but the thing is foster care adoption if you will it was not created as a bad thing it was not created as a bad thing. People take advantage of it. But I mean, we take advantage of chocolate. I definitely relate with that. <laughs> exactly. So we as people take advantage of stuff in general. Mm-hmm. So, but ultimately it was not created to be a bad thing. If I was still with my real mom, I could only imagine where I would be at. I would definitely not have gone to college for sure. Like there's no telling where I would have been at. And I'm thankful, even though I had eight different placements, I'm thankful for every single one of them because they did not have to open their doors. They didn't have to do that for me, but they did it for me. And I'm going to forever be thankful. Okay. I'm going to literally be crying my eyes out right here, right now. It's just like your story is so powerful and it's such an encouragement. I know Mm -hmm. everyone who hears this is going to be so encouraged. And I know that you are on Instagram and you have some like amazing resources that you're sharing. So can you tell everyone where to find you? Um, I really want people to be able to. Absolutely. So on Instagram, which I'm on the most, I am consult with Carlina. My page is just full of a lot of finance um, information, tips on how to increase your credit score, where to go to get a low interest loan, what credit cards to not apply for, (laughs) things Mm. like that. So it's full of finance for sure, as well as I have free resources and low budget resources as well for you all. And Facebook, I am Carlina Shotswell. That platform I also utilize for business. I don't really post too much in my personal life. It may end up on my story every every now and then, but Mm -hmm. ultimately I try my best to put business in the forefront and allow that um, boundary for my family. However... When you join in on either platform, you do become family because I do want you to succeed in, a, in this in this world. We want mm-hmm. everyone wants this stability. Everyone needs stability. So I am here to help you. <laughs> and everyone deserves stability. Like just the fact that you're like, just like let's give it to everyone, please. Like, can we do right. that? And I love it's, that that's your heart. Like it's so great. It's um, hard out here. <laughs> it's hard, exactly. And you're doing so much to help. And you 
I mean, even with your volunteer work through the department, I'm like, you don't have to be doing that. Like you have a family, you have babies, like you're doing the most. And I'm just so thankful for you for taking this time to share your story and share your heart and your business with us. Um, we're going to link everything up in the, in the show notes for people to find you and connect with you. Carlina, thank you so much for everything. Thank you. And I really hope this has helped somebody out here to know that it's going to be hard being a parent, foster parent, adopt, adoptive parent, but ultimately it will be worth it. The child will realize on their own terms. Okay. They will realize it. <laughs> Thank you so much. Thank you.